Thank you for downloading this University of Warwick podcast. More information on the university is available at warwick.ac.uk. There are very few who have successfully straddled the worlds of academia and business. Dr John Hood took lessons from his time at New Zealand-based Fletcher Challenge Limited and brought them into his Vice-Chancellor roles at Auckland and Oxford, as well as taking lessons from academia back into his business career. Dr Hood received an Honorary Doctor of Law from the University of Warwick in January 2014. Speaking to Lucy Hanford at the graduation ceremony, Dr Hood explains what challenges him, offers him fulfilment and ultimately satisfaction. John, congratulations um, on receiving the Honorary Doctor of Laws today here at the University of Warwick. In March 2007, I know that you were awarded with the World Class New Zealand Supreme Award in recognition of your contribution profiling um, New Zealand and New Zealanders internationally. And increasingly, both education and industry are sort of without borders. And, um, and, and certainly many students here at Warwick will study overseas and potentially go on to work all over the world. And as someone who has studied and worked overseas, just wonder what, what your views and experiences are and would you recommend it? Well, I had my opportunity to study abroad in the mid-70s. I had completed, or was in the throes of completing, a doctorate when I applied to do so. I had never travelled outside my home country, and at that stage I was 23 years old and thought that uh, I had to see the world. And um, I also knew that there was so much that I could learn by going to the other side of the world, to Britain in this case, that I couldn't learn by staying at home. There were so many different people from different countries with whom I would have the opportunity to engage uh, socially, uh, on the sports field, culturally, but most particularly intellectually. So I think that the chance to study abroad was the making of my life. Wow, and and you've also and also you've worked in the UK as well. And that was sort of my my second question really is that we know you've had a very successful and esteemed career both in business and higher education. And after working in in business, you became vice chancellor of both the University of Auckland and the University of of Oxford. So, um, what inspired you to move back into higher education? And um, and can you tell us the experience of working in these two fields, both in industry and, and, and education? Well, in a sense, I had never really left the academy. I'd always felt, after completing my um, education, my postgraduate education, that I wanted to stay close uh, to the, the intellectual core uh, that exists in a university, irrespective of what else I did in life. So... One way or another, I ensured that I could continue to teach part-time, even though I knew for a long time I wanted to pursue a career in business and industry. I'd had the experience as a, an undergraduate student um, of a cadetship with New Zealand's major construction company, and that had given me the chance to work in the construction industry all of my university holidays. And that experience inspired me in my desire to go back into the business world for a period of time, really to learn and come to grips with business, both national business in New Zealand, but also the international opportunities to grow New Zealand businesses outside of New Zealand. So I had these dual uh, tracks, if you like, in my life, my academic side and my business side, and I didn't ever want to see those um, part. In a sense, I suppose a seed was sown uh, for me by the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Auckland when I applied for the scholarship that took me to Oxford. 
Uh, I was completing my PhD when I applied for it, and he looked down the table at the end of the interview and said, I can't understand why anyone uh, who is completing a doctorate in engineering here would want to go to Oxford and study economics and industrial sociology, unless one day they wanted to come back and run this university. And so that was a funny little seed that got sown in the back of my mind. And so uh, looking back on history now, that opportunity was presented to me after I'd had um, a wonderfully fulfilling business career for 20 years. And then in my time in the university world again, when I came back to Auckland and then on to Oxford, I was fortunate to be able to keep my business side um, fueled and, and, and active, if you like, uh, by undertaking directorships um, and, in one case, a chairmanship of a company in parallel. And I found that immensely helpful because you see things in different organizational contexts that give you ideas about the organization that is your principal responsibility. So that worked for me when I was in business relative to academia, and it helped me in academia when I looked at some of the things that were happening in the international business world that I was involved with as a director. So I found the cross-fertilisation immensely helpful. Great. So it sounds in some ways they were complementary and it wasn't a case of one world and another world. No. They they combined they in did. many ways. They did. And um, just uh, focusing on Warwick University, um, it's celebrating its 50th anniversary next year. And um, the university staff and students will be looking back and celebrating, but also looking to the future. And um, what do you think might be the biggest challenges and opportunities for Warwick and, and perhaps the higher education sector as a whole over the, the next five decades? Well, I would never be prescriptive about another university because the aspirations of a university, in some sense, in, well, in, in, in a great sense, are formed by the aspirations of the members of the university at any point in time. And they continue to grow and change, and that, so the university takes its path. So you know, if you look back at Warwick, some time ago, Warwick had the aspiration to create a medical school. Did Warwick really have that aspiration when it was formed? It's something that's one of these changes that has come about. Look at the manufacturing group. Could anyone have envisaged uh, what might come of a manufacturing group at Warwick when the foundation stone was laid for this university? So in a, in a sense, it's, it's not right to be prescriptive about the future of a university. And I think one of the wonderful things about Warwick in the UK is, one, A, that it, it is one of the finest universities in this country. But more than that, it's a, it's a university that in no way has been hampered by a history. So it has had a very fresh perspective on its own potential and how and where it should develop uh, and how its culture should, should evolve and develop and so forth. Uh, it feels very different uh, to the universities one might visit that have got histories. Mm. And I'm thinking not just of the uh, university I know so well, Oxford here, but I'm thinking of many of the other provincial universities, the red brick universities. This university has a freshness about it. It has a dynamism about it. And what I'd say about its next 50 years, if I may, is please don't lose that sense. Uh, because what you have is very, very special. And that of itself is worth understanding nurturing, and then riding its wave. Brilliant. Inspiring, inspiring words. I think everyone would be quite happy to hear that. Moving back to you, um, we've, we've asked you quite a lot about your career and your experiences, but um, it's perhaps a left-field question, but what makes you happy? And perhaps work makes you happy as well. But Well, obviously, things like um, family, um, my wife, um, my interests, 
which are broad, but literature and music and art um, and sport and being able to participate in some of those in different ways. And also uh, having the privilege of being able to work across a wide uh, range of organisations in many sectors. So the work I do in the philanthropic se uh, sector in North America gives me um, huge uh, challenge and fulfilment, as does the work I do here um, pro bono in the university sector, um, the work I do in the corporate sector and so forth. I have got to the stage in my life where I choose not to do the things that don't make me happy. And I've also, I suppose, throughout my life um, been prepared to say when I've become involved in something that I can see isn't going to give me challenge, fulfilment and ultimately satisfaction, I've made the determination that I shouldn't continue with it. And I think it's been a very, uh, a very good thing to do, not to let things drag you down that are not giving you that ultimate uh, fulfilment and satisfaction by being part of them. Absolutely. And um, finally, you're, you're now officially part of the Warwick community. Is, is there anything you'd like to say, if you have any advice or tips that you might give to students that are studying here now? Well, um, again, a little bit for me to give uh, advice to your uh, terrific students. But the one thing I would always say to students um, when I meet them and talk with them is that this is the most special free period of your lives. Uh, use it wisely. Experiment. Take risks. Explore the things that you're passionate about, curious about, or really deeply interested in. And above all, ensure you don't waste this precious opportunity.